Welcome back to the Black and Fashion Podcast. We are on episode 10. I can't believe we made it this far. Well, I can't believe we made it this far because I'm the shit. So, today I'm not interviewing anyone. I'm not bringing anyone in for like their commentary or anything like that. I'm going to do straight all facts for you guys for like fashion product evaluation. So, what I want to go over today is basically how to read a garment like from top to bottom and how to know what the actual value other garment is just by looking at it and basically looking at the fabrication, looking at the country of origin, looking at um, the materials that it's made for, as well as like how the care instructions work. So you, when shopping, you really have to be like that really, really like annoying as customer. Like you have to be that customer in the store that are that is flipping things inside out and really, really reading a garment from the top to the bottom. So the best way to do that, um, it doesn't matter what the price point of the garment is, no matter if it's a t-shirt that is $20, whereas it could be a dress that is six or $700, you wanna make sure that you are purchasing something that is of the quality of the price that you are paying. Unfortunately, you'll never be able to beat the retail price and the wholesale price. So the number that you're looking for is the actual cost that is put into the garment. So what you want to do is, let's say you had a t-shirt or something like that, you would flip that t-shirt inside out and you would look at the first thing is where it was made. We all know the things that are made in China, you know, the labor in China is a lot cheaper than the labor that would be in the U.S. Um, You could also look at things that are made in Italy, things that are made in Europe, things that are made in Pakistan. So what you want to first do is figure out what the country of origin is, and then that'll help you determine how much labor was actually put into that garment. The second thing you want to do is look at the content of the garment, and that is one of the most crucial things that you can do is actually looking at the amount of, whether it's amount of like chemicals, like if it's a man-made fiber or if it's a, um, a natural fiber. So you want to look at the content and really break down what that is. Of course, natural fibers are always going to be a little bit more expensive than synthetic fibers because synthetic fibers are man-made. Um, to differentiate the difference, I'll just run down what natural fibers are versus what the synthetic fibers are. So a natural fiber doesn't have a blend in it, it's exactly what it is. So your natural fibers are the things that come from the earth. That's gonna be cotton, um, because it comes from a plant. You got wool that comes from animals. You got silk, which comes from silkworms. You have um, linen, you have like fur, suede, leather, pony skin, All of those things all come natural from the earth. Now, your synthetic fibers are going to be your your polyester, your acrylic, your nylon, your acetate, your spandex. So anything that has a blend where it's not 100%, but it's actually 60% of this, um, 30% of that, that is ultimately what you're going to be able to tell, like what is also the value of the garment. The last thing that you will want to look at um, in your garment is what it takes to take care of that garment. What does it need and what does it require of you? Now, the thing is, it's like a catch-22 when it comes to things that are 
harder to take care of versus things that are easier to take care of. The things that are typically harder to take care of are tend to be the things that are a little bit more expensive and they require things to be dry clean only. Now, granted, you're probably going to spend a lot of money on dry cleaning, but it is absolutely worth it if you actually want that longevity in your clothing. Um, if you don't want to be someone that's constantly repeat, not repeating, but constantly throwing things away and have to buy them again and throwing things away and have to buy them again. If you actually take care of your clothes based off of the things that it says, you will have a lot more wear and get more wear out of the things that you buy. So the basic things to do um, when doing those things is when you're in a retail store and you're looking at a garment, what it looks like on the outside is beautiful if we like it. You know, we know we like what it looks like. We love how it looks. But the real thing is in the inside. When you flip that garment on the inside, things to look for, overlock seams, um, straight stitch seams. Now, I know this is hard to understand without actually having like a visual aid um, showing you like what an overlock seam is versus what a straight seam is. But an overlock machine just has multiple stitches. So most garments made in China, Pakistan, India, you name it, they all have this overlock thing. It's a machine that just sews the garment as is. Now, in your luxury market, you're definitely going to find garments that have overlock stitching, but they're also going to have a seam. They're going to be overlock stitch and then pressed open which is actually more of a luxury uh, technique because it's actually re-securing the garment the overlock machine in luxury is just used for finishing edges whereas in your fast fashion field the overlock machine is actually used to sew it now an overlock machine should not be used for sewing it should just be used for finishing and off the seams but in your fast fashion industry and when you're going to someplace um, like China or India where the labor is really low they're not going to do both like it's more work that way when you do both so the best thing to do um, when shopping is to make sure you pay attention to that um, if you see things with French seamings and flat fill seams which I know is hard to you know visualize but it's just a different way of finishing a garment when the seams are all with within closed into another seam so it's just basically like a double stitching from the inside and from the outside now the way to read a garment is if when you look at something and it already has like skip stitches that's an issue that's a problem um, if it already has skip stitches more than likely the quality of it is really low and it actually was not quality controlled by the factory so when something isn't quality controlled by the factory it just basically means that they didn't care um, and when I say that I say that loosely saying that they didn't care because they're not actually doing what was necessary to make sure that by the time that the garment got to the consumer that it actually was something that was worth having on so when you do things like that and you don't have a QC and sometimes they don't, um, a lot of like um, factories hire QC agents and they hire QC um, people in like it's like the middle ground. So they work with the company as well as working with the manufacturer. So the QC's job is to go through those garments and to make sure that things are actually completed in the correct way. Now, when your QC lacks and doesn't do their job, you take the risk on getting garments into warehouses and to stores that are not up to par, which ultimately affects the customer. So if you're the consumer and you're the one that's spending your money on these things, you 
you have to be the one to investigate when things go wrong. You cannot blame it on the customer. You cannot blame it on, I'm not saying you can't blame it on the customer. You cannot blame it on the company. You honestly, you're, if you're spending your money, you have to be the one to actually do the work. You have to do the work. And if you don't do the work, you're going to end up with things in your closet that are freaking waste. And when you shop at mass market retailers like H&M and Forever 21 and your Zara's and all those, those are mass market. So everything's made in China. Everything is made overseas. And what you're going to get is garments that are overlocked, which I mentioned earlier. Like everything's going to be overlocked. They're not going to be sewn. And that's why these things are so freaking disposable. Um, I do recommend reading this book. It's called Overdress. It's a big synopsis, big synopsis over like the fashion fetish, the fashion. My words, I swear, guys, my bad. Definitely was drinking a little bit before I come here. So if I mess up on a couple words and I slur a little bit or I say some things that you're like, what the fuck is this bitch talking about? Just want to say my bad ahead of time because I definitely had some jack, okay? So I'm just going to throw that disclaimer out, which I probably should have said at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to keep it 100. It's Sunday. It's my Sunday fun day. I'm going to do what I want. I've digressed. Now, back to what I was saying. So... Okay, the fast fashion industry. So the book is called Overdressed. And then there's another book that's called, hey, Sunday, hey, girl, don't laugh at me. <laughs> um, there's a book also called How Luxury Losses Luster. And basically, it's a big synopsis of the uh, luxury fashion market industry. And what this book does is it goes into detail about how things are also made um, in the luxury market and how over time you have different tycoons and different people who have come in the door um, and taken over and bought out these companies when they were in the financial burden and they lower the quality cost of the product. So when that happens, for all my luxury people out there who love them some Gucci and like some Louis Vuitton and some Chanel, I get it. You love the name. Like, you love the name. And granted, I love some of the things that they come up with too. But when you're buying things at that price point, you dead ass got to look at it though. Like, don't just look at the name. Like, look on the inside and really, really understand what it is that you are, you're buying. Like, if something is, let's say, give or take a Gucci bag or a Louis bag, may run you like a, anywhere between a thousand something dollars all the way up into maybe like $5,000, depending on what the bag is. If that shit is made in China, I just want you to rethink it. Like, just think, rethink the whole situation because something that is of that price point, being made in China, you played yourself. I'm sorry, you played yourself. Now, if it was played anywhere else, it, you know, it would probably make a lot of sense um, for this to happen or whatever, but luxury market should not be made in China. If they want to source their fabrics in China, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with fabric sourcing in China. Hey, Danielle, well, thanks for tuning in. Need to have you on the show. Duh. Um, if you want to get your fabric sourced in China, that's fine because there's a lot of technology in China and they make a lot of technical fabrics and you can get some amazing fabrications there. But as far as like things actually being produced and manufactured there, no, bruh, you're not about to tell me that you're about to pay two, $3,000 for something that is made in China. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, moving forward into that, you guys, I wanted to also discuss how things become like bootleg. Um, what bootleg? What do y'all call it? Knock off, not bootleg, sorry. So 
things even get to the knockoff world because you have your China factories remaking these pieces and they're selling it on the black market. So when you sell things on the black market, of course, they're taking an order from whoever the company is and then they throw in um, extra materials or maybe use like a cheaper zipper opposed to using the um, actual zipper they're supposed to. And then they make the things of a lesser value. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. You can make things of a lesser value because I know that this we're living in a world of making luxury affordable. But the thing is, luxury is not supposed to be affordable. It's supposed to be for an exclusive and elite clientele. So the whole thing about making luxury affordable doesn't really make the person who actually can afford to shop in the luxury market. It really, it doesn't. It, it's like a catch 22 there. Like I get it. You want to do that. And that's why a lot of the designers make all these diffusion brands. But when you lower the quality of the product and you don't compensate for it in other ways, like whether it be the fabrication or the way that it was made or the country of origin or what it was made of, then you're really selling yourself short. So I challenge most of my designers out there that are coming up with lines and that are creating things to make sure that when producing garments, if you really want to sell like a really, really great product, you really need to think about everything. I know you think China, you think cheap. I can get more bang for my buck if I source over in China and if I get things made in China. But are you actually going to be traveling to China to actually quality control these things? Are you traveling over to China to actually check and see that there are not children working in some of these factories? Like, I doubt it. Like, I really, really doubt it. And then even so, like, what they do is they do bring in, when they know you're coming, they do bring in adults into the China factories and then they like make it seem like that it's all working there. But then when you're gone, they do whatever they want to do, which they're well in their rights. They can trick you in the same way with having a QC in as your middle person to actually be there for you. And they need to be somebody you employ. Not something that the factory employs because they're, they're going to, if they're employed by the factory, they're going to do whatever the factory tells them to do. If you employ a QC yourself, then you're, they're in charge and you're paying them on what actually needs to be done. Now, at some point, if you want to produce over in China, it's absolutely fine, but you have to make the trip and go there. You need to do a actual inspection of all factories. And there are some companies out there that are really great about this and actually require an inspection report and get the factory approved. Like you can't just make anything in any factory because they have like their child labor laws that they don't want to work with. They have companies that don't want to work with them at all so what you would do is you have they have different companies and different inspection companies and different like quality control companies that can come in and they can help you do some of this work as well so when choosing a factory inspection is key number one and there's always gonna be um a trick because I'm, a, I'm not gonna lie I work with China factories all day all long their asses be lying okay they lie about sending samples they lie about sewing things and I have them on my WeChat I have them on my email I have them on my WhatsApp and they will straight dead ass lie to me and tell me like oh yeah I sent um this sample and we did this and we did that and then I get the sample and it doesn't happen and it doesn't look anything about what we had previously discussed so you have to be on them you cannot expect for anyone to do the job your job like, you can't expect for a, a factory to do your job because it's just not going to happen. Like, you really have to be there, do the work, really enjoy it, and really take integrity in what you are producing. Now, 
I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit when it comes to um, fashion product evaluation. So I talked a lot about, about producing like in China and producing like in India and producing in Pakistan and like some of the tools that you need in order to produce in these places. Now, as a designer, if you're creating things yourself and you're outsourcing to seamstresses or you're outsourcing to tailors and stuff like that, you are in control of quality control. You need to look at a garment front to back, in and out, flip it inside out before you send it to a consumer because we are in the social media wave. When you don't do something or you get something in the mail and you don't like it, you know we're going to put it out there. We're going to give it to social media. They even have like that whole little segment on the shade room, like what I bought versus like what I got. And not going to lie, I have definitely been uh, someone who has done this and wasn't always someone who had integrity in my work. I would be a damn lie if I said that I didn't. You know, there has been times where I've made things and I was just, you know, either in a hurry to get them done or I was rushing or like the customer was rushing me and I end up making some things that I'm not proud of. And I can admit that I commit that in my faults. But now, like, I won't dare make a garment if it's not at its best part. I wouldn't even give it to a customer or give it to anyone if I felt like it actually wasn't up to par of what it needed to be because that's my name. It's, if they're buying something from me, is more than likely like a very very special occasion from them and on their end and I would feel like shit you know if I had that I had that happen to me um recently actually where I got something um for myself and I'm not gonna name names or anything like that because I don't like to put people on blast but I instead of snapping like how it's been done to me in the past if something wasn't right thank you Apple um I thought about it and I'm like damn I probably have made somebody feel this way too. I've, you know, delivered a garment and it not been up to par and I felt some type of way about it, you know, and I'm like, damn, it's something I can do now or, oh, I hope they don't notice that I like kind of like fuck this up. So when I got this happened to me, the first thing I said, I was like, she couldn't have dared looked at this because if she would have looked at this shit, she would have known this shit was fucked up. And I know for a fact that she didn't. And the girl, the young lady did end up telling me that she, you know, she didn't, she tried to execute her own and she, you know, and she really messed up or whatever. But instead of tearing her down, I just kind of like coached her in the situation in a moment. But the significance of having a mannequin and doing specs for garments is like unbelievably like out this room. Like it's not a, you can't skip it. I'm sorry. It can't be skipped. It can't be something that's it's like a last thought. It has to be something that is like worked into your actual routine, like to make sure that every measurement hits on spec, to put it onto a dress form or put it onto a mannequin and see how it flows and see how it lays. And I granted, I know that this is a lot harder for people that work in custom work because your mannequin may be one size, your dress form might be one size and your client is a complete other size. But there are so many innovative people in this world that they have come up with, like, I found it's called, um, I have to put it in the show notes, but basically it's a, a form. It's something you can buy to add hips, add breasts, add butt, or whatever you need to make the form look exactly like how your client looks. Because the last thing you want to do is give somebody something and it don't actually be exactly the way it was sought out to be and then you ruin their special occasion you ruin their day and then they coming after your ass on social media making you look bad or even to the point where they're like trying to sue you which has also happened to me in the past as well granted 
um, her shit just fit just fine. Her ass was just on some bum shit with me, but it's fine. I'm not pressing that situation. I feel like I talked about it on the podcast before anyway, so we ain't got to go back into Shorty because Shorty was a dub, so whatever. So moving into the way we know the differences between certain clothing. Now, there is a actual set in place breakdown of clothing from all the way up from from let's say all the way up to like couture all the way down to mass market now the price range and what is considered luxury opposed to what's considered fast fashion there is a big ass difference okay and luxury and i just want to make sure i put this out there and make sure i say this correctly a luxury garment is something that is exclusive a luxury garment has certain sewing techniques on it and has a certain type of fabrication. A luxury is something that not everyone can get. Now, there are not that many luxury brands. There are a lot of brands that claim to be luxury brands, but it's not that many brands. Luxury garments are not made in China. Rule number one. Luxury garments are made for an exclusive clientele. So if everybody can get it, that does not make it luxury. Number three, for the most part, they don't sell the same thing to the same person over and over. So a very good example of an actual luxury fashion brand would be Hermes. You have to get on a waiting list to get a bag. They um, take anywhere from five months to a year to even create an Hermes bag because it comes from an atelier who actually has to sit there and hand sew that garment um, in Italy. They have to actually get the natural fabrication for the bag. So they got to kill like a fucking alligator or a snake or they have to kill like a, a cow or something like that to get like the leather and stuff like that. So this is, or even like, um, what is it? Wool? No, they really don't make wool bags, but they do do silk lining, so they have to wait for a certain type of silk um, verification in order for them to like actually make these bags up to par. So I say all that to say is just be mindful and be like aware of what you're putting your money into when it comes to luxury. Gucci is trendy. And I like Gucci. I think that they've done some great things. I like them a lot better when Tom Ford was the creative director because he is fucking brilliant. But now they learn that they, uh, they really, they learned it good that they cater to that urban market. And because they cater to that urban market, they have tried to go above and beyond making sure they create things of the urban market. Now, if you watch a Gucci Polo and that bitch shrink up on you, which does happen because I've seen it, that should let you know something. That should let you know something right away. Because it shouldn't be nothing more than Pima cotton, which is really a nice cut of cotton. But it's all in a way that you also, one, take care of your things. I told you to accept responsibility for that because you are the one who is purchasing. So if you do what's not on that label, that is on your ass. And if you fuck it up, you fuck it up. Now, if you do exactly what's on that label and the shit still turns out fucked up, then you need to look at what you bought. You need to make sure, like, whether you got it from a stand or whether you got it from the store, that it's actually what it's supposed to be, okay? And that goes with, like I said, looking at country of origin, looking at contents of it. If that shit is mostly poly, if more than 80% of that shit is poly, don't buy it. Like, don't buy it. They do make really good things, but because they're such a big company and a lot of the luxury companies are really huge, they don't just make stuff in one space. 
they do make things in China, just depending on what it is. They do make things in Italy. They do make things in Pakistan. They make things in all different type of places, you know. So I'm not saying that everything that has that name underneath it is made in one country of origin because it's absolutely not. Things are spread out depending on who has the best price point for making it, who has the best suppliers for making it who even has like the ultimate execution for making it as well. So those are things that you also have to always pay attention to when looking. And I cannot say that more and more and more often that be that annoying ass customer when you're shopping. Like be that one. Like don't look at something from the outside like, yo, that's fly as hell. I'm going to get that. Look at the price tag like, damn, that's a lot. And not look at the inside. If I can't stress nothing else to you, I'm going to stress that over and over and over again to look at the inside of that garment from the beginning. And if you got to flip over a couple of them, because what happens is sometimes you might just get a bad bunch or it might just be like one or two on the sales floor that was really, really fucked up. So don't just look at one piece. Look at more than one piece. Look on the inside and stuff. Now, my recommendation for if you guys do just want to have like that luxury look and that expensive look, I do think that Zara and like all saints um are really great stores or whatever and they really do have a really nice product um sometime i'm not gonna i don't want to say that they got it down to a t but sometimes but they do have more things made of quality than they don't have things made of quality you get some bad shit in between there but i think that they really do take pride in the way they make things but one smart thing about zara is they put all of their um business in one country the country they manufacture in is the same country that they get their suppliers from which is the same country that their corporate office is which is the same company where they merchandise and sell from so that way they're in complete control when you start to outsource and you start to get things in different countries and different cities it makes it a little bit harder to control the actual quality of the garment so when you're not in complete control of the quality of the garment that shit will set you back some you can get orders in that come in that are completely terrible and um, I'm not sure how many people out there uh, smaller designers that are shipping to retailers and stuff like that but retailers can reject shit they can reject shit they can say they're not paying for shit so to protect yourself make sure that's something that you make a number one priority and that you stay on top of because if a retailer rejects it and they you pretty much missed the season, the likelihood of you being able to resell that shit is probably not going to happen. Like, you're not going to be able to resell an order that was made by one retailer. So as a designer, you take on that responsibility of making sure that before it even gets to that customer or that retailer that you actually quality controlled everything. And I know that's hard. It's hard to look at every single garment, but it is a must unless you're going to hire somebody else to do it. And if you're at a point um, where you cannot afford to hire anybody else to do some of these things for you, you need to stay small. It's better to have quality over quantity. It's better to have like a smaller knit size of units that you're going to do opposed to trying to do so many units and you cannot control it. And when that happens, you get a whole bunch of like fucked up bullshit and then you're like stuck with it you got all this inventory that you said no fucking inventory that you can't sell to anybody inventory that's just gonna sit there or you have to put on sale and they almost try to like break even when you could have just calmed your ass down in the first place and just stayed afloat um i am a consultant and i do work with a lot of up-and-coming designers and i put myself out there to do this because i wanted to help people and to give them the information and to help them um, really get their dreams off the ground but at the same time make some smart decisions and make 
and try to steer them away from like some of the decisions that I made that was completely fucked up. Um, I definitely made some bad decisions when it came to making clothing for myself, which is why I started my consulting business. So I have a few clients that listen to me and I tell them, you know, start off small. Don't go too far and above and beyond on what you're making. Try to get good at one thing. Be the master at that one thing and then expand and then do brand extensions, okay? But then I have those ones that kind of rush into doing the process. and like, oh, I got to get these samples out by then. And I got to launch this collection by this time. And I need such and such units and it don't work out. So I just want to make sure that I'm giving the best advice possible to anyone thinking of starting a line or wanting to start a line that they're actually going through the necessary steps. You're not going to build a collection overnight. I wouldn't even say that you're going to build a collection and build a brand within a year. It takes time. Like It really does. And when you rush to try to do things because you feel like you're missing something, you set yourself up for failure without doubt. Take your time. Do things that make sense on your calendar. Do not rush into things and really get some advice. Test it out. When you get samples made, don't go right into production. Like for what? Why would you go and write into production for it when you need to put it out there into the market and see how people react to it, especially when you're starting out new? See how people react. Take your samples. Try it on different people. Get surveys of different people. Ask them what they think about the fabrication. Ask them, was it too hard to put on? Was it too hard to zip? And how often would you wear something like that? And ask questions because that's who you're serving. As a designer, you're serving the consumer. And you're filling a niche or a void of something in their closet that you want them to shop with you. So when you do that, you have to get the opinion of the public. Like You have to understand that, yeah, you like it. But it's not about you because you're not the one that's buying it. You're the one that's selling it. So your opinion does matter, but your opinion only matters to a certain extent. So to that certain extent, what matters is your consumer and who your target market is. And if I can't stress nothing else, too, is to figure out who your target market is, who your consumer is, who it is that you're actually trying to sell to, because that's the person that you want to find and weed out. And ask them for their opinion. When you make stuff and you give it to your friends, is your friends really your target market? Like, are they the ones that really care about quality or care about this? Like, make sure you're asking the right questions to the right people. Like, if your friends um, are Fashion Nova shoppers and, like, H&M shoppers or, like, Akira shoppers, then they don't know shit about luxury. And I hate to say it, but they don't. Like, how are they going to tell you what they would and will not be willing to pay for a certain thing when they don't shop that in the in the normal world? Like in their normal spending habits, they won't spend that much money on those things. So I say all that to say that when testing out garments and stuff, make sure you're testing to a certain people. Put ads out. Ask people to take surveys or figure out who it is that you need to put it in front of to really get that type of feedback that you need in order to be successful. Because if not, then you're just wasting your fucking time, you know? So um, another thing that I just really, really want to stress is to be mindful of fabrications that you choose, where it be shopping or whether it be as a designer. As a designer, you need to test out fabrics before you necessarily go right into sewing things for production because Every fabric that you lay eyes on is not going to manipulate and do things the way you want it so it actually fits in the garment. In the same way with people that are on the consumer side, if you sweat a lot, don't buy as much things with polyester. They're going to ruin. They're going to ruin really fast, and you're going to get those 
disgusting like stains underneath your arms or around your necks like that like know what works well like with your body if not you're going to be wasting a lot of money from a consumer standpoint and from a design standpoint so more than anything know what you want know how it's going to appeal to someone from a designer standpoint and then from a consumer standpoint know what works with your body know what type of fabrics flow on your body really nicely like and if you don't know there are a lot of consultants out there and people who work on body image and branding and like dressing for you like dressing for your body fit or like dressing for your lifestyle that can help you and advise you on these things so that way you're not looking at a closet full of clothes of things that don't fit right things that make you itch when you're wearing them things that don't look right so definitely be mindful of those things too like when you're shopping as well and like I said for fashion product evaluation which is what the name of this episode is going to be break it down and the way to break it down I don't know if I gave it I definitely did not let me give you the calculation so if a garment is a hundred dollars the wholesale price was more than likely fifty dollars which means the cost price was twenty five dollars so what you want to do is for $25, you want to look at what went into that garment. So within $25, you have to account for the fabrication. You have to account for the labor. You have to account for the pattern, what it takes to make that. So if it was made in China and it was $25 total, this is not even talking about fabric and labor, then you would need to break that down. The fabric cost versus the labor cost. And if that math once it's added together, it makes sense. So keep that. That's the formula. Whatever the number is, divide it by two, which is half, and then divide that half wholesale price by another two, which will give you cost price. You want to make sure that it's worth the cost price. And if that cost price don't make sense to you, something is wrong. And if the math doesn't make sense, then the calculation is off or something like that, then you probably shouldn't buy it, okay? So that is our episode for today. I tried to give as much information I can as far as like the way to break things down. I gave you guys a calculation. I'll also put it in the show notes. I gave two recommended reads, which is How Luxury Lost His Luster, as well as Overdress. And really break down those garments. I'm going to say it again. Be that annoying fucking customer in the store looking at every fucking thing. I don't give a fuck if they have to refold it, rehang it, or whatever. Like, at the end of the day, as a consumer, it's your job to make sure that you're purchasing things that are actually going to work for you. Then as a designer, be that annoying ass uh, person in the fabric store, too. What's the content? What does it look like when I wash it? Test it out with the dye-in. Test it out with the washing instructions and stuff like that. And make sure that you're investing in something that's actually going to work for your consumer as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you all and um, look forward to um, any feedback you all have. I really would love if you guys would email me at blackinfashionpodcast at gmail.com for any questions or show topics or any stories that you want to share as far as like being black in the fashion industry. If you've experienced any things that you want to call out or discuss or you want us to discuss, um, if there are any other designers um, that want to join the podcast and want to go over different topics with me i'm always open to that and i love to hear from other designers um i do have a call-in option so if you're not um in the new york area i can still we can still do an interview we can still talk and discuss things so thanks for tuning tuning in today guys peace out